and welcome back to the Gentleman's Club podcast. Shut the fuck up, Gallus. There you go. All right. Sorry, Mom. Told you I wouldn't swear anymore. Fuck it. All right. So today, I'm uh, going to talk about some food. Everybody loves food. But some people hate diets. I don't know where this fucking intuitive eating thing came from, but I'm going to jump right into it because this is raw and I'm mad and <sighs> goose fraba. Whenever you're angry, ever watch anger management? Whenever you're angry, this works. Just say goose fraba. Goose fraba. No joke. It's such a ridiculous word and it just, it's okay. I could like get murdered. Well, I could, huh, I don't know. I could get murdered, sort of, like close to death, and the killer comes up to me in the ear and says, Goose Fraba. I'd be like, ha, it's okay. It's the last thing on my mind before I die, is Goose Fraba, and I'd be fine with it. So what is intuitive eating? Well, I'm glad that I'm thinking that you asked, so I'm going to tell you. Um, intuitive eating is like this approach. <laughs> it's an approach to eating. It's developed to help people heal from uh side effects of like chronic dieting um and all like this intuitive eater is defined as a person who will make food choices without experiencing any guilt or any ethical dilemma uh, they they honor hunger uh respectfulness and enjoy the pleasure of eating that sounds really good it it does um but there's some, uh, there's with good, like I always say, with, with good stuff comes bad stuff, right? And I've had a few clients tell me that as a result of this approach of eating, people are shaming them for wanting to lose weight. Are you out of your fucking mind? Jesus Christ. Whatever happened to, oh, let's just be yourself and do you. Like, these are the same people that are like, hey, you don't need to diet, man. It's like, you just said I can do whatever I want to do. So just the fuck up and let me fucking restrict some calories. Because I'm eating too many of them and it's killing me. Not, not in everyone's case, but like just, anyways, fucking hear me out, okay? So, this intuitive eating, um... It makes a lot of claims related to freeing you from your long-term struggle with food. Um, and it's not without significant issues um, in its strategy. So, fucking have a seat for this one. Because I'm going to I'm gonna lay some truth on you. I wrote some shit down just to keep, keep everything fucking uh, organized. So, it's not completely raw. But, but, you know, I've got some facts. I got some facts for people like, show me your facts. Well, fuck, you know, listen. So, intuitive. It sounds it sounds pretty good. It's one of those things um, that when you hear about it, you think to yourself, like, who fucking, who wouldn't want to eat like this? I get to eat what I want when I want and feel good about it? Wow, that's amazing. Imagine an alcoholic says something like that. What do you mean? I, I, don't, I can drink beer? I can drink beer. Any time. Oh, in moderation. Right? No, fucking do it. Do whatever you like. Feel good. Don't feel guilty about drinking beer if you're an alcoholic. Jesus. Alcohol isn't the same as fucking food, man. No. But you're gonna find out it kinda is. So there's a few things uh, we actually need to discuss when it comes to that practical application i don't want to start by saying i agree with a lot of the strategies and tactics um that this way of eating promotes um i agree with both the principle of intuiting as well as like the day-to-day recommendations but that doesn't mean that there aren't any problems and i just some people are like no this is the way you know how everyone is with like as soon as they discover something new like this is the way man I've been, I've been driving on this highway for like three days. And this is like the new road. Everyone's going to be taking it soon. 
Meanwhile, it just fucking leaps to the cliff like everything else. Yeah, that, <laughs> this is stupid. Anyways, um, so yeah, there's there's some problems with it, um, and it brings me to my argument. Um, in some cases, intuitive eating doesn't go far enough, and in other cases, it goes too far without important context. Right? Is that a mouthful? I almost had a hard fucking time saying it. Um, so let's before we get into my critics, my critics critiques. We'll go over some basis. So what does the word intuitive mean? Well, I kind of gave it before. It just It's pretty simple. Based on what somebody feels to be true. Even without like a conscious reason. It's, it's instinctive. Instinctive. What does that mean? It's like it, in, it stinks and it's like in. It's like instincts. Relating to or prompted by instinct. Or apparently it's unconscious or automatic. Like what you feel. Like it's true, man. Oh my, I know. I know for a fact that. Satan took my underwear last night and there's a demon in my house because I can't find anything. I just, it's my gut feeling. I'm, by the way, I'm a big believer in following your gut. But you have to like, oh my, it's not just like, oh, boom, yeah, I can do it. It's a lot of practice. Um, but anyways, by these definitions of intuitive eating, it should mean something along the lines of like, Eating foods in quantities of foods that feel true without conscious thought. Who the fuck? Oh. It's my buddy, James. Hi, James. You're going to listen to this soon. Um, so, yeah. It's along the lines of eating foods in quantities of foods that feel true without any conscious thought. Um, such as following any specific guidelines, such as diets. Or using other forms of logic and reasoning, like counting calories. Um... So I can nitpick here and say that intuitive eating can't really be practiced if you're... Because if you're practicing intuitive eating, then you're not eating intuitively by definition. You know? Does that make sense? So, barking up that specific tree uh, might not be productive. <laughs> so I'll save this argument for later. Don't forget it, though. Don't fucking forget it. Because when we start to unpack everything, you'll see exactly how important this is. So there's two questions we need to explore. What is our intuition based on? And is following our intuition a good thing? Hmm. Well, and eating intuitively is almost always talked about as a positive thing. That's the premise. But if the premise is false, everything that follows is potentially corrupted. Understanding this, it's, a, it's important. It's important, okay? Can you think of any other examples of where following your intuition or your instincts can create destructive in outcomes? Can you? Well, I think of a lot. I can think of a lot. You know what? I know. I know that when you jump into traffic, you have a chance of getting hit by a Mack truck. And there's one coming. But I don't know. I just, I get this gut feeling. That I can just, I can take it. You know what I mean? I put on 10 pounds. It's going 50 and a 60. I just think that the math... Who cares? I'm going to go with my gut. And your guts are everywhere on the road. Uh, that was one stupid example, but it, may, it, it works, okay? I can think of plenty and I just... I don't know. <laughs> uh, so we can't hear the word intuitive and automatically associate that with something good. I mean, it sounds good, but... If you think about it using logic, what is because like what is our intuition based on? Is it based on genetics? Is it based on environment? If you look at most animals in nature, we're animals too. You'll probably come to the conclusion it's it's kind of both, right? It's safe to say that there's influence from genetic programming and influence from our learned experiences, but the actions that you take, the ones driven by your subconscious thought, are kind of driven by both. But the environment that we live in now is it's not the same as an environment that created our genetic makeup right so that could be a problem so is following your intuition a good thing um well there's there's the challenge of uh what's it fucking called evolutionary mismatch in the past so the fact that our 
I think I've talked about this in like my first podcast. The fact that our genetics are primarily programmed for a world we don't actually live in. Does that make sense? So one example um, that it doesn't align with our current environment we lived in is uh, optimal whatever optimal foraging theory. So it's a genetic uh, driver of overeating. So optimal foraging theory, a genetic driver of overeating. This is one example that points to the fact that our food intuition might not be properly um, listened to or acknowledged, and it's certainly not the only one. So this will beg a question. Um, if we follow pure intuition, will we end up where we want to be? If your answer is yes, then how do you know? Does that make sense? Because like, so now what is intuitive eating really? It's one of those terms that is defined slightly differently depending on who you ask. It's kind of like socialism. Well, that's not true socialism. This is like the real social. And then another person debunks it. And they're like, well, no, he was wrong. What real socialism is? So, anyways, the one that I hear the most is, and I quote, Intuitive eating is a nutrition philosophy based on the premise that becoming more attuned to the body's natural hunger signals is a more effective way to attain a healthy weight rather than keeping track of the amounts of energy and fats in foods. It's a process that is intended to create a healthy relationship with food, mind, and body, making it a popular treatment for disordered eating and eating disorders. Okay, well, I know we're not like cars, but I love bringing the analogy of cars in because it just makes sense. Food is our, is our energy, right? Um, and even in cars, we have something to let us know when our fucking gas tank is half full, quarter full, overflowing, or completely running on fumes, right? So I think that it's important to have that or else we're just going to be guessing why. Oh, I guess it's full or I guess I'm empty, right? Like the, the car doesn't know. And I know like, but some people are like cars in the sense that they don't know unless they have a plan or can follow something like that. So that second premise is that human beings should not be able to listen to their body and tune into their hunger and satiety signals. So whenever... You know, they think that they're full. And again, if I'm nitpicking, there's nothing intuitive about this if it has to be done intentionally. So it's a tactic. It's a strategy, this intuitive eating. The underlying premise is true. Humans, like all animals, should be able to self-regulate food intake. 100%. Right? Not like cars. But some of us act like cars. So what do we got to do? We got to step out of the vehicle and fucking put a steering wheel on our chest let's drive our own fucking lives does that make sense <laughs> i just said a bunch of shit so what do we have to do well i think we have to integrate this internal calculation system okay and if you can use that system effectively it's way better than using the highly problematic calories in calories out manual tracking strategy right so intuitive eating gets this right unfortunately it's one of those areas where intuitive eating doesn't provide enough context or pragmatism. And I don't think I've ever heard intuitive eating proponents discuss any of these um, ideas in a meaningful way. So until I'm proven otherwise, then pfft. in fact, they often, they often seem like they're trying to pretend they don't exist. Um, so anyways. Uh, what else? Uh, are intuitive eating and mindful eating the same thing? This is a good question. Intuitive eating and mindful eating are often talked about in the same breath. Like I just did. I didn't take a breath. I haven't taken a breath in almost three minutes. But based on definitions and principles, intuitive eating should really be classified as mindless eating. So, you know, whenever you're fucking stoned as balls and you're sitting on the couch and you just keep eating food and shoving, it's kind of like that. You're mindless. No, I'm just kidding. That's going to piss off. <laughs> it's going to piss a lot of intuitive people off. But can you, can you argue with it? Intuitive eating is supposed to be non-conscious. It's supposed to be instinctual without thought. So what is without thought other than mindlessness? Oh. <gasps> Because mindlessness is defined as not thinking of or concerned about. Another definition is so simple or repetitive as to be performed automatically without thought or skill. Get wrecked. Now there's a third one that people might prefer to point to. 
It's acting or done without justification or concern for the consequences. But that doesn't really fit the use of the term mindless eating, does it? I don't know. There are a lot of terms out there. So, Will and Nelly. Doesn't seem uh, like much thought is put into the middle of them. It's actually um, more about appealing to emotion. Is it? I don't know. We know that doing something intuitively sounds good, and doing something mindlessly sounds bad. Is that all that's going on here? Hmm. Okay, so remember, talked about principles and the tactics. So are, are they helpful at all? <sighs> it was my gut instinct. I had to burp. It was my gut outstinct. Because it's, it's a burp and it probably stinks. So it's an outstinct. It's an outstinct, Jane. It's God. If I burp into your mouth and then you fart, it's like a burp transplant. Something, I don't know. You just farted out my burp. Nick is so wow. Anyway, I made it a point at the beginning to note that there's a lot of good within the concepts. Um, right? So I'd like to run down a list of these cool principles, clearly explaining the pros, as well as pointing out any lapses and gaps. Um, the principles are from the book Intuitive Eating, actually, by... Uh, I didn't buy it. I read it online on a thing. Um, Evelyn Tribal, is that how you say it? And the quotes are from the author. Anyways, um, so in this, whatever, I'm just basically going to like get different subtitles or captions that are in the, uh, not captions, subtitles or headings that are in the book. And there's going to be a quote, and then I'm just going to fucking do my thing with it. So this is reject the diet mentality. Um, throw out the diet books. So this is the quote. Throw out the diet books and magazine articles that offer you false hope of losing weight quickly, easily, and permanently. Get angry at the lies that have led you to feel as if you were a failure every time a new diet stopped working. And you gain back all of the weight. If you allow even one small hope to linger that a new and better diet might be lurking around the corner, it will prevent you from being free to rediscover intuitive eating okay so rejecting this diet mentality um i i don't think it's intellectually honest to equate wanting permanent weight loss with wanting quick and easy weight loss does that make sense like Weight loss is meaningless, and fat loss is really the metric that matters. If that, if that makes any sense. Anyways, contrary to this message um, many are sending, it's not wrong to want to change your body composition. It's not wrong to want to lose body fat. It's not wrong to claim that lots of excess body fat is unhealthy. Right? So this first principle paints intuitive eating as the only viable answer. But what if it's not? What if what if it's the wrong answer? Or what if it's only a partial answer? Hmm. So honor your hunger. Keep your body biologically fed with adequate energy and carbohydrates. Otherwise, you can trigger a primal drive to overeat. First of all, that's wrong because I've been eating keto for almost freaking 1,300 years. Actually, like probably about two. And... Um, I do not overeat at all. I don't eat. Car I eat maybe twenty carbohydrates. So that diet itself, I'll get into this after, but it works for me. And I feel like I cut her off. I just fucking talked right in the middle of her quote. Like if she was talking to me, I would have been like, "Excuse me, bitch." <laughs> anyway, so otherwise you can trigger a primal drive to overeat. Once you reach that moment of excess hunger, all intentions of moderate conscious eating are fleeting and irrelevant. Learning to honor this first biological signal sets the stage for rebuilding trust with yourself and food. So it means well, but I think it fails when context is now added to the mix. So to me what it's saying is don't arbitrarily withhold food because some diet told you that you ate all your allotted points for the day. That's fantastic advice. I agree with that. But at the same time, this principle seems to rule out sound strategies like intermittent fasting or fasting in general choosing instead to direct you to keep your body biologically fed um and as well as you know the, the ketogenic diet 
Um, because I'm fucking never, never hungry. So I never overeat. In fact, sometimes I'm like, gotta get the food in because I'm running out of fuel. And good thing I have my plan or else I wouldn't know when to eat. So it's, in, it's for sure within context. Because um, I can't get on board with that. For most people at most times, it's the appropriate course of action. But it's too black and white to be given as like this blanket advice. I think it's also odd to single out carbohydrates as a necessity. Even though I eat a ketogenic diet, I'm not anti-carbohydrate by any means. There are some workouts where I'm like, dude, I need a fucking Snickers. Because um, if someone chooses problematic sources of carbohydrates and puts themselves on like a blood sugar roller coaster, that's going to trigger to drive to overeat. So does it happen with fat or protein? No, it doesn't. So this directive... Uh, to eat carbohydrates specifically seems odd. Also, the part of this principle um, that talks about the primal drive to overeat is is inaccurate by facts. Because most people who have fasted before know that know that pushing your um, pushing beyond the initial hunger, it's it's actually passes like a rapid decrease in hunger. You just gotta get. It's like when you get like your second wind and running. Like as soon as you're about to quit, and then boom, done. I'm I'm good. It doesn't cause you to overeat. In fact, it makes hunger and fullness or the feeling of being full or also known as satiety extremely steady uh, and manageable, assuming that when you do eat, you actually eat real food, right? So don't like friggin' fast whatever and then go eat a Pop-Tart and whatever because you're, you're, you're hungry, but then you're not filling yourself with real food, um, which is another key point of this. Uh, I'm not ultra proponent of fasting or anything, but establishing this principle, keep your body fed at all times, is almost forcing me to point of fasting um, as a question mark, right? It's like, well, what about this? If you're going to throw this at me, I'll throw this at you. Boom. Make peace with food. How are we doing for time here? 22. I'm not bad. Okay. Make peace with... Yeah, it's going to be a little longer, by the way, so hopefully you have, like, a, a nice commute or you're going somewhere, going camping. Um, I don't know, whatever. Make peace with food. Um, call a truce. Stop the food fight. Give yourself unconditional permission to eat. <laughs> no! If you tell yourself that you can't or shouldn't have a particular food, it can lead to intense feelings of deprivation that can build into uncontrollable cravings and often binging. When you finally give in to your forbidden food, Eating will be experienced with such intensity it usually results in last supper overeating and overwhelming guilt. <sighs> so, <laughs> this moralizing of food and the oppositional relationship um, people have with food is definitely a problem. And it can lead to intense feelings of deprivation and that could go on to a bunch of cravings. Right on the money. That part, yes. Okay? But this, <laughs> give yourself... <laughs> unconditional permission to eat uh <laughs> this is where it fucking i don't know what that sound was but it's something to do with crumbling or going off a cliff let me see if i can uh make this clear so you understand that it's much bigger than semantics uh how can i fucking say this so the end game i guess of a healthy relationship with food is unconditional permission to eat Telling someone who hasn't hit specific milestones to give themselves unconditional permission to eat usually ends in disaster. Alright? Do you get it? If not, then I'll fucking... Ugh. I'll explain it later! I'll explain it later. But those are my two statements for it. Because I gotta go in order here. I'm gonna go on a tangent. That's me when I get a tan... a tangent. Ha! Huh. Anyways, so challenge the food police... Breadcrumbs, you don't have to go in my red dress. I ate too much of you. Now I'm too fat and can't get dressed. I don't know. Scream aloud no to thoughts in your head that declare you're good for eating minimal calories or bad because you ate a piece of chocolate cake. Oh, way to fucking shut down my song. 
food police they monitor. <laughs> That's what I wanted to do. The food police they are inside of my fridge. The food police they come on to arrest me. Oh, oh. You know my stomach is empty and I'm really hungry. Then uh, anyway, <laughs> sorry. I can, I'm gonna make a whole song about that. I'm gonna post it. You guys are gonna love it. I'm gonna eat it all up. Anyway, it's bad if you eat a piece of chocolate cake. Um, the food police monitor the unreasonable rules that dieting has created. The police station is housed deep in your psyche, and it's a loudspeaker that shouts negative barbs, hopeless phrases, and guilt-provoking indictments. Um, chasing the food police away is a critical step in returning to intuitive eating. Hmm, that sounds nice. So I just talked about the pitfalls of moralizing, uh, moralization in the last point. So no need to rehash that. Um, do I think you should scream no to certain thoughts in your head? No, I don't. I don't think it's very helpful. It's certainly not an example of cultivating um, self-compassion, right? Because like when you ex fucking swallow before you speak, when you consider that most negative self-talk is not really self-talk in that internal um, persona drive most triggered behavior, um, you begin to like understand why screaming at certain thoughts is basically like screaming at wounded parts of yourself. And that, that doesn't end the cycle, it fuels it. Like yelling doesn't solve anything. It makes it worse. So as before, if you're driving on the highway and someone friggin' pulls in front of you, brake checks you, and gives you the finger. You want to scream at him, but you know what I mean? And then what are you going to do? Give him the finger, go in front of him, brake check? Like, what does that solve? Absolutely nothing. You don't heal by silencing certain parts of your personality. You heal by hearing them, right? So, going on to the next point, respect your fullness, I guess. Listen for your body's signal. So, this is the quote. Listen for your body's signal. Um, that tell you that you are no longer hungry. Observe the signals that show that you're comfortably full. Pause in the middle of a meal or food and ask yourself how the food tastes and what is your current fullness level? Well, some people are fucking stupid and can't do that. <laughs> when you do this, you're, when you're, you're not eating intuitively. Okay? Um, you're lear I guess you're learning how to do it. But anyway, the premise must be that They'll practice this becomes yeah it becomes intuitive. So again, not semantics. I'm not truly sold on the idea that this is being the case. So animals again. Uh, fucking animals, they're always the <laughs> always victims of circumstance. The reason wolves aren't obese is because they're natural wild dollet dollet. Look, see. The reason why wolves aren't fucking fat is because. Their lifestyle never gave them the opportunity, I think, right? It, and it was the same for, like, hunter-gatherers. It turns out that when there isn't a McDonald's every fucking corner, and 80% of your food supply isn't processed and hyperpalatable, you stay pretty healthy and within a narrow body composition range. I think that's a, I think that's a fact, or a good guesstimate. Once a wolf is domesticated into a dog... And given an opportunity and means to become obese, it's all all bets are off. It's not just that they become overweight; they suffer all sorts of issues as well. And obese humans who are out of touch with food and body are just products of domestication all the time. It's the intuition to eat what tastes good that gets us and all other animals fucking into trouble. A dog won't deny table scraps, right? It's, it's citing offense to her intuitive nature. The dog will eat and eat until it fucking can't eat anymore. And continue doing so until that fat fucker <laughs> is sick. Dogs rely on their owner rationing out of out food to them. It, it doesn't mean that dogs just need to practice intuitive eating. Or is an intuition that leads the animals into trouble in the first place. Hmm. Ooh... I don't know, Nick. Discover the satisfaction factor. 
The Japanese have the wisdom to promote pleasure as one of their goals of healthy living in order... In, oh, sorry. I'll read. Uh, the Japanese have the wisdom to promote pleasure as one of their goals of healthy living in our fury to be thin and healthy. We often overlook one of the most basic gifts of existence, the pleasure and satisfaction that can be found in the eating experience. When you eat what you really want in an environment that is inviting and conductive, uh, or, yeah, um, the pleasure you'll derive will be a powerful force in helping you feel satisfied and content. By providing this experience for yourself, you will find that it takes much less food to decide you've had enough. Sounds great. Really, really great. Who wouldn't want to agree with this? And yes, I do think it should be the goal. Being so feng shou and zen um, about our eating habits would be optimal, for sure. But I'm going to fight back with this concept um, from a foreign land introduced to me um, by Gabor Meat. Right? The concept of the hungry ghosts. You ever watch Casper? In Chinese Buddhism, a hungry ghost describes a person who is driven by intense emotional needs in an animalistic way. Quote from that book, The inhabitants of the hungry ghost realm are depicted as creatures with scrawny necks, small mouths, emaciated limbs, and large, bloated, empty bellies. This is the domain of addiction, where we constantly seek something outside ourselves to curb an incitable yearning for the relief or fulfillment. The aching emptiness is perpetual because the substances, objects, or pursuits we hope will soothe it are not what we really need. We don't know what we need. And so long as we stay in the hungry ghost mode, we'll never know. We haunt our lives without being fully present. Gabor Mati. Or I don't know how you fucking... He's cool. He's a cool guy. Is she a cool guy? Is she a cool guy? I don't know. I do a lot of reading, okay? I don't know these people. But the people who are truly struggling um, in the relationship with foods are hungry ghosts. Hungry ghosts. There's so many songs you can make with fucking intuitive eating. Maybe that's the only thing that comes good from it. Um, and to put it as uh, palatably and straightforward as I possibly can, you can't cure hungry ghosts with sound good meditative eating practices. Boom. I dropped my mic, but it's, it's expensive. And I can't afford another one. Um, honor your feelings without using food. How are we doing for time here? Ooh, lengthy one. Find ways to comfort, nurture, distract, and resolve your issues without using food. Anxiety, loneliness, boredom, anger are emotions we all experience throughout life. Each has its own trigger, and each has its own appeasement. Food won't fix any of these feelings. It may comfort them for a short term, distract from the pain, or even numb you into a food hangover. But food won't solve the problem. If anything, eating for an emotional hunger will only make you feel worse in the long run. You'll ultimately have to deal with the source of the emotion as well as the discomfort for overeating. This is the end game, for sure. But once again, it's not just the tactic you can employ this is like therapy right i see like you're going you're talking about like traumatic events or st stuff being triggered and and as soon as you learn like if, if somebody's overeating okay if if somebody's overeating if a kid is overeating for some reason is obsessed with a certain food um you got to figure out why like it's not it's not normal Right, so maybe there's something that that has happened that's triggering. So it's it's not the food restricting isn't isn't the bad part. It's 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 the uh, the event that caused the overeating. Right, I would say it's it's the willpower and the discipline thing. Willpower and discipline are often talked about as skills that we need to be practiced or as tactics that need to be employed. But in reality, willpower and discipline are better understood as abilities that are like unlocked. Um, often through doing it and unrelated from the practice uh, of these things specifically. So I get the whole 
um, the end game. I, I, I get it. You'll have to deal with your source of uh, as in motion. When I friggin' play video games, I'm a huge hothead because I suck, right? So who wouldn't be a hothead at doing something that is fun, but they suck at it and it makes them mad? Um, so every I noticed it was it was a really cool discovery. This is like where the intuitive part comes in. Um, every time I, I was playing Fortnite, Fortnite, every time I died, um, I would take a sip of sugar-free Sprite, right? Because that even though it's a fake, it's a it's a pleasure taste, and it calmed me down, right? So that my emotion, I saw I friggin' get rid of the video games, and I don't drink the Sprite. Right? But what is it that makes me angry? Is it because I suck? Am I mad that I suck at something? Do I, do I just get better at it? I don't know, but that, that to me is like... I get that. That part I, I, I can see, but it's, it's, it's an ability. Right? You have to practice it. Um, respect your body. Accept your genetic blueprint. Just as a person with a shoe size of 8 would not expect to realistically squeeze into a size 6. Okay, now you're talking about bone structure. Um, it is equally as futile and uncomfortable to have the same expedition with body size. Um, no, it's not. No, it's not at all. But mostly respect your body so you can feel better about who you are. Um, it's hard to reject the diet mentality if you are unrealistic and overly critical about your body shape. Question. If my genetic makeup was to be 600 pounds, um... Or sorry, was to be two. I don't think anybody's genetic makeup was to be six hundred pounds. That's what I'm saying. Jesus Christ! On a cracker on a hill, eating a pop tart in a blueberry pie. God, that sounds good. That sounds so good. Just do it. Just eat it. Why so I feel like shit? Um, <laughs> as with all the others, there's some productiveness and some destructiveness here. Okay. I'm not a Robin of the health at every size movement by any means. Because I think that it's not only a highly destructive message um, in many cases, but the name itself makes zero rational sense. I don't know if health at every size is exactly what the author is getting at here, um, but I want to throw that out there. I know for a fact that many, if most not intuitive eating proponents, align themselves with the health at every size. So with that said... It's highly unlikely that, like, that we're, like I said about the 600 pounds, that we're unlikely genetically determined to be a 200-pound, 5'4 female. Okay? So what does accept your genetic blueprint mean? This seems to contradict the earlier principle of not trying to lose weight. If my genetic blueprint says I'm not supposed to be a 200-pound, 5'4 female, am I going to respect that as instructed? Then I need to lose weight, body fat, if I don't? I don't know. Exercise. I'm, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Respect your genetic blueprint, but do whatever you want. Like, oh, whatever's going to happen. Like, no. Nobody's designed. Nope, nobody's genetic. I know, I'm, I know a little bit about genetics, and I know that no one is predispositioned to be whatever. That, that often happens as a case of overeating. All right. Um, maybe when it comes to like genetics and muscle tone and stuff like there's certain things like people get cosmetic surgery like that I can there's a genetic blueprint for that that you, you can't really you can apparently mess around with it but I mean like if you I, if you're talking about that I get but when it comes to like hey if your genetic makeup is to be eight foot five six hundred pounds do it okay well that's highly unlikely. Um, anyways, exercise, feel the difference. Forget militant exercises. Just get active and feel the difference. Shift your focus on how it feels to move your body rather than the calorie-burning effects of exercise. If you focus on how you feel from working out, such as energized, and it can make the difference between rolling out of bed for a brisk morning walk or hitting the snooze alarm, um, if when you wake up your only goal is to lose weight, it's usually not a motivating factor in that moment of time. I can't agree with this more. I'm going to take it a step further. You'll be highly rewarded both physically and psychologically if you design a daily fitness practice around activities that you actually love and enjoy rather than just traditional exercise and workouts. 
that being said, that's also in the context. If you're an athlete or, or a competitor, you got to follow a plan to get to your goal, right? So whatever your goal is, there's so many different kinds of plans out there, okay? So many different types of plans. So many different types of diets, too. Diets that can help you get to your goal. And the key to doing that is just fucking find something trial and error sustainable. If you want to do a vegan diet, go ahead. You want to do a keto. Speaking, oh my god, perfect. Great. I know sometimes I shit on vegans, but it's it's most it's only I don't shit on the diet. I shit on the people that hold themselves on pedestals because they're like, I'm the I'm a vegan. I am the best person in the world because I fucking don't eat. <laughs> I don't eat meat. What you know what I mean? You know what the what they what it is. You should know what a vegan diet is by now. Um, but I've got a buddy who I recently met. Um, not recently, sorry. Um, I met for a short time while I was training in Ottawa. Um, his name is Ryan, and he is also a vegan. He is the poster vegan, like the the top of the line guy. I so down to earth and humble and motivating it's it comes second nature and he doesn't like flaunt it you know what i mean he's got he's got a business um which he should because he fucking works oh my god this guy heart one of the hardest working people i've ever seen okay he comes in um he became a trainer after me um and he actually took a took on a few of my clients after and i knew they were in good hands Anyways, so Ryan, I'm going to help him um, out a bit here. He's doing um, an online he's an online health and fitness coaching. Um, he's actually the founder of the Vegan Fit Collective. Um, and what he does um, is he works with clients during this 12-week transformation program to help them achieve uh, weight loss and our muscle-building fitness goals. Oh, you can't build muscle on a vegan? No, you fucking can. This guy's ripped. Um with exclusive access um, to his services, you can receive a bunch of shit. So like 24-7 tech support, weekly one-on-one video conferencing, um, check-in calls to discuss um, previous week's wins, challenges, challenges um, updates on their prog- on your progress photos, um, and your weigh-ins, right? Because those are important. Those are ways of measuring your actual progress. So you check in with that. Um, and also about just making any adjustments um, to your plan. You'll also have access to a private members-only website um, with weekly mindset modules to help you change the way that you think about food, um, fitness, and other aspects that will play a huge role in your success. Um, and all of your workouts are programmed. Boom. Done. Easy. Don't got to think about it. Just got to do it. Um, and they're not fucking boring workouts. I've seen him on Instagram with his clients and stuff, and he's oh, cool guy, fun guy. Um, but they're all based on your capabilities and you'll have videos so you'll never have guessing questions about form because that's that's the tricky thing about online is you don't actually have somebody visualizing there but with videos and video conferencing it's a lot easier um, you get easy follow um, easy to follow planned out plant-based meals and plans with grocery lists um, they are provided if you're not vegan but you'd like to try a plant-based diet he can for sure accommodate um, as a transition for them and a bunch of more okay so if you're interested in this if you're thinking about doing it um you can email him at ryan so r y a n at the vegan the vegan fit collective.com um so that's ryan at the vegan fit collective.com i will post it um on my podcast page um check it out or you can also schedule a free 10-minute fitness game plan call um, using another link that I will um, post. But it's www.go.oncehub.com slash theveganfitcollective um, minus sign 10 minutes. Dash? I, I think slash. So it's www.go.oncehub.com slash theveganfitcollective dash I'll post it. Just like an online appointment thing. Pretty sweet. Alrighty. So yeah, bunch of bunch of diets. You gotta pick something that fucking works with you. Okay? Try it out. 
and eventually, like I said, that end game plan is just to be able to listen to your body and understand. So event, like when I started the ketogenic diet, I had to fucking track every single day, get used to these foods, get used to what I felt like. And it worked for me. So that was great. So I'm, then I was actually able to call it sustainable because sometimes I don't even need to track, right? If I'm, I'm, I'm not picky at all. And I, I can eat the same stuff every week. I have a cookbook. It, it tells me all the stuff in it. And I'm, I'm, I would say I'm knowledgeable um, in this area. So it's easy. But it's not easy for a lot of people. So tracking and stuff when it comes to losing weight. Because bottom, bottom line for losing weight is, or when it comes to any, I should say fat loss. I hate saying losing weight. Uh, fat loss. Unless you like want to lose 10 pounds for a meat or something or you, you have to cut weight. Um, then it could be fucking anything. You can take a poo, you can shave your head, whatever. Um, you have to eat less than what you are burning, right? So you have to be in a calorie deficit to lose fat or lose weight. Or you have to, to be in a calorie surplus is when you start you know, being um, anabolic and building putting on so if you're eating more than what you're burning overeating now i wouldn't even say overeating if you're just eating more but it's hard to track that people don't know what what food composition is right people don't know what makes up food what makes food food so you gotta track you can't just eat a bunch of shit or if like i feel like eating 400 pop tarts today well guess where your goals are going out the fucking door because that don't make no sense okay so honor your health (laughs) going back to this Make food choices that honor your health and taste buds while making you feel well. Remember that you don't have to eat a perfect diet to be healthy. True. You will not suddenly get a nutrient deficiency or gain weight from one snack, one meal, or one day of eating. It's what you eat consistently over time that matters. Progress, not perfection, is what counts. But now we find ourselves back in problematic land. As is true with the dog from our earlier example, or the wolf, um, it's the food choices that honor our taste buds that will often get us into troubled waters right so we should be so should we be uh perfectionist and obsessive absolutely not but perfect eating is symptomatic of having an unhealthy relationship with food because at the same time giving ourselves unconditional permission to eat as we were previously instructed to do so um it won't end well i think there's enough real world evidence to support that at this point and it's one of the main complaints i get from people trying to eat intuitively it's 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 also a huge source of fear too because without rules and restrictions people tend to feel i don't know fucking lost and out of control they swing from heavy restriction to unrestricted consumption that's not an argument for rules and restrictions it's just evidence of my argument that intuitive eating often doesn't end well Okay, so here's, before I go, I'm going to give you three reasons why it won't help you. It, it might, but it won't. And if you think that it will, it won't. So here's here's the meat you're waiting for. Um, these three of them are, I'm, I'm going to cover them independently. So certain foods screw up your body's hunger and satiety signaling. Okay. Ending arbitrary food rules and restrictions and calling a truce with food is an important part of the process of healing your relationship with food. But not all restrictions are arbitrary and harmful. I've explained that eating real food is too restrictive and eating um, and food restriction um, orthorexia in the Overton window. Okay, so that's something I, I can fucking talk about because I know a little bit about it. No, I shouldn't talk about it. Most people who have long-term issues with food are dealing with both psychological, um, sorry, I fucking always get those two, physiological dependence and a psychological addiction, right? So I need this, I'm triggered by this, so I need this to help, I guess, um, suppress or treat, right? You know the difference between like treatment and a cure? Treating is just like treating... I don't know, like if you have herpes, you know what I mean? Like you get medication to treat it, but you don't cure it. And I guess what we're looking to do here is cure any, um, or heal that relationship with food. 
So most people have that physiological dependence and the psychological addiction. Um, and contrary to this mainstream belief, these two things are not the same, right? Um, it can be very helpful to first defeat the physiological dependence and then start tackling the addiction piece. Because for some reason, for someone who isn't using food for comfort, control, and coping, um, so like emotional eating, it's often necessary to create rules and restrictions within the first like two to four weeks of the process to get their body to calm down and remove a major conflating factor, which is the dependence. Your body has this fantastic internal calculator and regulation system. It's, it's fuck, you should check it out. But processed, hyperpalatable foods effectively break down that system. So listening to your body is irrelevant if your body is sending all of the wrong signals. Beyond that, our eating can never be free at all. And sure, the concept of honoring your body with real whole food sounds amazing, but at the end of the day, we're still animals. Put any animal in a domesticated environment, and that environment is going to harm them. As human beings, we have this unique ability to make conscious decisions that help us avoid um, that fate of the mind mindlessness and avoid the fate of the environmental circumstances we find ourselves in. Because we can make the conscious decision to avoid certain foods and manipulate an environment for a long-term benefit. But fucking guess what? Using that unique ability means we're, we're, not, <laughs> we're not eating intuitively. That's a good thing, I think. Number two. Other factors can screw up your body's hunger and satiety signaling, okay? So it's not just food that screws up your body signaling. Sleep and boom stress are the two main non-food factors that drive your overeating. Not just by friggin' tri triggering a desire for comfort, control, and coping either. I'm talking about like real fucking physiological changes. Three nights of poor sleep can downregulate leptin, which is your appetite suppressant hormone. Almost by up to 20%. Okay? It can upregulate ghrelin, which is an appetite stimulant hormone. Production up to 30%. And it can make your insulin resistance mimic the type 2 diabetic. That's insane. So if you're eating intuitively, when this type of manipulation is happening to your signaling, then you're overeating. And it takes some conscious understanding of this manipulation to say... This seemingly unending desire for food that I'm experiencing is directly related to the poor sleep I've been getting. Wha! Boom! Get it! Right! I'm so happy about that. Oh, it sounded so good. Don't I sound smart today? Because I fucking know what I'm talking about, okay? Stress creates a similar hormonal um, response, too. This, this is psychological of the individual. Um, it, it's a huge part of people's food issues. But in order to actually help the people, you got to stop ignoring the very real and very powerful physiological triggers. In fact, we have to go one step further than not ignoring them. We may have to consciously work to understand them and actually game plan for them. Ooh, example, not navigate the situation intuitively. <gasps> wow. Did you think about that one intuitive eater fucking people? Nope. You didn't, because you're like, this is the new road, man, falling. <laughs> so I've saved the biggest obstacle for last, which is you just might overrule your body's hunger and satiety signaling. You might do that. And this um, brings us back um, to the hungry ghost. Let's say you take out all the necessary steps to, one, help your body accurately signal hunger and satiety, and two, learn to tune into your body's signaling on a constant basis. Um, all is well, right? No. Because the hungry ghost in you can, and it fucking will, choose to overrule your body signaling and drive you to eat. Why? Because food is your drug, and this is the big psychological hurdle. Food doesn't exist to nourish you. It doesn't exist to honor your taste buds. For you, the troubled eater, it exists to numb pain. And I'm sorry, because that sucks. Food should be enjoyed, not used as a tool to get to cope with um, a traumatic event or something that you're going through. 
when a proponent of intuitive eating says food won't fix any of these feelings and may comfort for the short term, distract from the pain, or even numb you into a food hangover, but food won't solve the problem, they're correct. That's true. But they are also impractical and disrespectful and <laughs> naive. Telling someone food won't fix that is very condescending when you understand why addicts behave the way that they behave, right? Like, we know an addict's choice to have destructive outcomes. And they know this. You don't have to fucking tell them. But this fact is what baffles people who wonder, why don't you just stop it? You know, or you made that choice. It doesn't baffle anyone who understands addiction and coping. Okay? So if you fucking understand that, you can help the people around you. Explanation is simple. Because the pain from the consequence is not as great as the underlying pain the addict is trying to cope with. So your hungry ghost would rather be a fat and sick and on dialysis than live without her pain relief. And to say that's wrong or rational is disrespectful to the reality of every fucking body who has real pain. This is why when you talk to a full-blown heroin addict, and I work at a pharmacy, I know this, about how they need to go to recovery, they often say, I just wish I was dead. And it's true. I just fucking, you know what? No, I just wish I was dead. Because your relationship food is not nearly at that level, but it's not dissimilar either. Okay? So how can you heal your relationship with food and eat like a normal person? Um... It's, it's a big question. You have to commit to eating mostly real food. Okay? You have to nourish your body at the cellular level with your ability to physic, uh, for physical and mental health. Then you got to commit to eating mostly real food because you'll never be successful when you're constantly eating foods that disorders your body signaling. Okay? Eat good, feel good. Um, you have to account for other pillars of the health, right? So stress, sleep, get those things um, figured out. Um, as it is true with respecting, as it's true with food, respecting the pillars is is not intuitive because our own environment makes it necessary to be consciously alert of our behavior at all times and to consciously make decisions for our own good. Right. And three, you have to get to the root of why you use the food the way you do. Big missing link. Easier said than done. You have to understand that knowing what to eat and how to eat and all the other stuff that affects your uh, physiology physiology is, is not enough. It's, it's, it's only enough if you already have a healthy relationship with food. If you don't have a healthy relationship with food, none of that knowledge will matter. Your hungry ghost will override your logic, reason, and good sense. It's hard, it's, it's hard for most people to grasp because they go through periods where they do so well, right? Nobody is disputing your ability to be consistent for short periods of time. It's the long-term trend we're looking at. It's the macro pattern, not the micro. The macro. Your logic and reason and amazing determination allow you to override your hungry ghost for a period of time, okay? This is where you have action coping. You gotta have like let's say perfect example. You're doing so well, um, you forget to meal plan, and you're fucking hungry. And then you go to the movies, and you're surrounded by all the nachos and cheese and popcorn and soft drinks, right? So that's that short period of time. And but and the more you silence it, the more powerful it becomes. And when you can no longer keep it suppressed, it bursts onto the scene with an intense desire to collect all. Don't you think that when you're like restricting and you're hungry, you go somewhere just like, oh, I can fucking eat anything right now. I'm going to do it. I just need to eat. And this has to be dealt with specifically if you ever want to truly be consistent and unlock your ability to eat normal, whatever fucking normal is. Okay. <sighs> and you know what? Just it's okay to going back to the whole. It's it's okay if you want to lose weight. It's okay if you want to stay the same. Just know that what you choose to do with your food, your food is your fuel. And if you want to function properly, don't be putting fucking Crisco in your gas tank. Because your car is not going to run properly. Okay? 
don't put too little gas because you're going to run out. Don't overfull your tank because then you'll flood your tank and the car won't start. So have a plan. It's okay to have a plan. Don't be ashamed for wanting to lose weight. Just if you feel good the way you are, great. Okay? And if you're on, maybe it's a lifestyle change you need. And if you need that, I can call Ryan. Give Ryan a shout. Okay? Or you can call me too because I do that stuff. But more so Ryan. Because I would I would put my faith in his hands. He's, he's a good guy. All right. Uh, that's that. 